give that shit up, you can concentrate on golf. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Great moments are born from great opportunity. You play ball like a girl! Hi everybody and welcome to a Roy Orbison Tattoo Podcast with me, Colm, and my co-hosts, Massey and Paul. This is episode 12 of season 1. If it is your first time listening, I would advise to go back to the start and listen from episode 1 as we will refer to previous shows from time to time. The show also contains film spoilers, so if you have not yet seen the film, I would advise watching it first. It might help you understand a little bit better. And now for today's show, I hope you enjoy. You know, when I was your age, my mother told me not to get a tattoo of Roy Orbison. But what Mama don't know won't hurt her. But for any of our listeners, what you can see is that he has a, a tattoo of Roy Orbison on his bum. So the Roy Orbison Tattoo Podcast is a, somewhat of a tribute to Coach Klein. Now, whether that signifies the importance of his uh, level of coaching to us is a, a different matter altogether, but we'll, uh, we'll discuss that now. So first of all, what do you think, Waterboy? Okay, the first thing I'm going to say is that I actually never saw the film before. What? And, and I was actually delighted I never saw the film before. Because if I saw the film before, there was no way in the world I was going to watch it again. <laughs> it was one of the worst films I've ever seen. And I knew the reference about Roy Orbison Tribute, but I knew about the state in the film. I would have How maybe did you know about the uh, reference to the Roy Orbison uh, tattoo? Because it's on the ass of one of your friends that it's your stag. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah. I copped it was from that. And if I knew about this, I probably would have pushed for a different name for the podcast, to be honest with you. The film was that bad. You weren't asked about the name, Mossy, at the podcast. So We kind of were, but then it just sort of went... Yeah, don't forget, about, forget about what the name was picked. We've moved on. We have moved on. For the, the, the three or four listeners who got the reference first time and, and really enjoyed the fact that they got it, it's worth the name alone. Yeah. We'll be sending them out complimentary tweets. Not <laughs> <laughs> like mugs that. or t-shirts, no? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. That's My opinion on the film, I was actually a massive fan of it growing up and would have watched it numerous times. It was poor when I watched it last week. The humour in it wasn't my, my current humour type. No, it was a bit... I think I laughed I laughed once. I got a good laugh out of one scene and my bit of smile once or twice, but I was uncomfortable watching some of it. It was just... Ugh. Yeah, it was a bit uh, stereotypical in a lot of it um, and negatively stereotypical that uh, I suppose probably wouldn't be getting... Um, getting made these, day, these days but look I suppose Massey you watch it now at your age um, but if you watch it when you are younger and your maturity was a little bit uh, less advanced you might have actually enjoyed it a little bit better but I, don't uh, I think actually so. I actually thought for a comedy there was hardly any laughs in it but there was a I thought the storyline was good behind it that was an interesting nice old storyline what was um, the what was the one scene you think I laughed at uh, I don't know you'll have to enlighten us Mass you only guess Paul no um, you know what the Captain Insano scene was was good and the needle dick needle dick needle dick. I did smile. I did smile at them ones. 
the one where I actually laughed was when they said because of the water boy, different teams are trying out things. And they brought oh. in Towel Boy. And he got killed, yeah. <laughs> Towel Boy just got destroyed. That was the one thing where I just laughed. But yeah, the rest yeah. of them just smiled, uh, basically. Yeah. But look, I, I didn't think it was that bad. I actually enjoyed it. And we'll, I suppose we, we'll have a re- reveal of our twelve, our 1 to 12 listings there um, later on in the week and, and what our favourite films were and stuff like that. And we, we'll go through our coaches. But first of all, the fans. So Henry Winkler was the coach client. And... I know, Master, you watched uh, you watched Happy Days back in back in the early seventies, so you you would have been a big fan of him. There's physical there's physical similarities between uh, Mossy and the Fonz, in fairness. Uh, very athletic, um, a lot going for themselves. But here, yeah, uh, yeah. But you know what? I actually feel that he was completely underutilized in the movie and the character. There could there could have been more to it. But anyway, let's get down to nitty gritty. We've talked enough rubbish. So anyone more, still with one, us, go on. One more piece of rubbish is about Paul's theory was blown out of the water for this film. What's about, the theory? You can judge a film by the Adidas gear in it. A lot of cool Adidas gear in this film. There was. I noted that as well towards the end, yeah. <laughs> rubbish film. Yeah, you're very critical of Massey, and I put that down to your old age. Put, leave, the young fella, leave the young fella watch it there later on. He'll love it a bit, yeah. Coach Klein... I suppose his first first thing we get of him is, uh, I suppose, is a nice way of saying it. He he appears a small bit unhinged when he uh, meets him inside in the, I suppose, in, in his office, going through the, going through the plays, and it's actually he draws up one of the plays that they execute later in the film. So I suppose there there's sort of two. I felt there was two sides of him: the, the fear that he had himself, and but also the genius that was locked inside that. Could, didn't get out until basically the last five minutes of the movie. But I suppose like one thing that that came, and I suppose look, I'm just trying to find things that that we can relate to. Like one thing, he actually had a book in one of his earlier scenes out on the sideline when they were training, and it was the complete idiot's guide to coaching college football. I suppose for a coach to actually be humble enough to be willing to learn and willing to to challenge themselves and challenge their own frame of thought. Like that is important for coaches, isn't it? Yeah, you always have to. You can never just sit back and relax. I think you know it all. Every day is a school day. You just don't know what you can pick up and when you can pick up, and you just have to keep your mind open to new ideas, willing to learn all the time. A lot of time in sport, people have to appear, and we'll say the the coach or the captain of the team have to appear to be extremely strong in terms of their knowledge and everything about them. And I think we're moving towards a stage in sport where that bit of vulnerability does actually show strength and a willingness to, to learn and progress. And, and it is something that's important. Yeah. And like I suppose, like the best coaches, they always do say that they're constantly learning. And they're always saying that they, there's actually, like I know when we go to coaching conferences and stuff like that, they're always giving books and other coaches that they're after learning from. So I suppose the, the fact that you have to be humble as a coach that nobody will know it all and if you think you know it all that's when you probably know the least um, and it's about about being aware it's probably an awareness as well that a lot of the good coaches would have that there's so much to learn about your sport be it hurling America, football, basketball whatever it is like if you're if you know 10% of it that's probably a lot and being, being, being aware of that and being open to different ideas and different suggestions and way to improve it is very important and especially for young coaches well novice coaches let's say coaches working with that might only be starting out their own coaching career four or five years just take in as much information as possible through whatever avenue be it webinars podcasts books coaching courses conferences 
YouTube clips of former coaching conferences, you know, things like that, you get something out of everything, as Matthew was saying. So it is very important. A big one is that for a novice coach is observing and listening to other coaches. Like, you don't have to agree with them all the time, but just look and see what they're doing, how they're approaching players, how they're actually coaching, see is it working, see is it not working, write it down. Find that if you keep your own little journal of things and write things down that you'll come up with a good basis of your own beliefs then in the end if you get me like what works what doesn't work is there is there a particular sport that you enjoy reading books about yeah i like reading uh boxing autobiographies different things about their personalities i like reading a lot of sports biographies to be honest, autobiographies and biographies to be honest with you. um you pick a lot from different things i love watching american football tv series you know documentaries mm-hmm. and american sport documentaries in general a lot of good things that come out of it like I, 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 last night I was watching Last Chance U Series 5 and there was an absolutely brilliant line about luck and luck is when preparation meets opportunity I thought that was a very good line you're not claiming that one yourself you're the, that came from somebody else yeah yeah I'm going to pass that one off tonight yeah. might claim, I might claim it in the next series Fair enough, Massey. As basketball, I suppose, like one thing that I would notice from the basketball coaches at, at actual college level and at NBA level is that they are very open and they're they're probably I I I no, I don't know, I'm just guessing just from what I do know and I follow a couple of basketball coaches and stuff like that on Twitter and not, not high profile ones but just other ones. There does seem to be a real strong community practice amongst basketball coaches that they're open sharing ideas fairly regularly know how true that is I don't know but it, it feels like it's the opposite of, of GA coaches like you couldn't imagine all the 32 football inter-county managers sitting in a room for the for a couple of weekend going through tactics and stuff like that um, no. what, what do you reckon yourself for? No I wouldn't imagine that happened You see a lot in soccer where um, when they're on their UEFA badges when they're going up to A level and pro license and stuff like that uh, these coaches have to go visit different teams around the world, around Europe, whatever it is, and like it's open. It's you know they're accessible. Like certain coaches go visit Manchester United, go see Arsenal, go see Chelsea, Barcelona, whatever, and see what they're doing and uh, what they're doing and discuss things. So it's a little bit more open probably at the elite level in soccer, like you're saying in US professional sports, but in GA it's a very close shop, isn't it? It's, but it is, it, does that go to the mindset then that the coaches, that the coaches at that level are so conscious that. I have so much to learn, whereas a lot of the closed mindset stuff it would be coaches that mightn't be that experienced. There might be more kind of. I'm a brilliant coach. I don't. I'm not going to share my stuff with anybody. Yeah, but like a lot of coaching things, is like it's like a wheel really. Like just goes round and round. Like most, like like when you're down taking a session, like and you're doing something, like most players have done it before in some variation or some form of it. But it's just about you're not doing you're not doing. Uh, a game-based scenario or a drill, as they call it, in, um, for the sake of doing it. You're doing it for a purpose and for a reason and to improve the team. Like I find for good exercises, when you're watching inter-county teams doing their warm-ups, you pick up some good things there that you could use in your own session in terms of um, it just the warm-up or ball contacts or what way they're striking. Or so just you know, bring it, adapt it for yourself. You don't have to copy it, copy it, but adapt it for yourself and for your age group or health level of your team and bring it in if you can so that's one tip when you're going to matches go early and see what they're doing for warm ups if we can get to go to matches if we can go get to matches yeah. Um, what sport do you think yourself Paul what were you saying 
I I enjoy soccer books. To be honest, with you. I think there's there's a lot. I I think soccer is obviously because it's so worldwide. It's probably the most most advanced of them. Even though you mightn't think it to look at some some matches, I think it is very advanced. You're about Tony Pulis and Stoke, there, no way. No, well, it, it, like that would be a. He's gone for them a while now, Colin. But but that is an advanced style of football because. It's about getting results and getting the most out of out of your team, you know, and trying to impose your strengths and other teams' weaknesses, you know. Do you know what is an excellent sport to watch documentaries about or when they're doing coaching clinics and you might think I'm mad here um, if you're not into the sport, is cricket. Some of the cricket documentaries are brilliant about uh, visualisation, stamina, different things about their techniques and their practice and stuff like that and the stories they have. If you ever get a chance to maybe have Sky Sports, just go on to the documentary section or this, the catch-up and just try some of the cricket ones. They're excellent. I think there's a few of them on the Amazon Prime TV as well. There's a, there's a brilliant one on Amazon Prime which follows the Australian cricket team there last year for a year and it's a brilliant, brilliant show. It's well worth watching. Like Coach Klein, um, said he must have been humble in that he was willing to learn, but I, like he was obviously living within a glass case of fear throughout the film. And cage of fear, cage of fear. No, no, do you know what he's after doing there, right? He's after mixing up glass case of emotion from Anchorman and cage of fear <laughs> from Legends of Glory, and he's after coming up with a glass case of fear. Like, look, tune into what's happening here, Colin, will you? But as we said, I just have to send it though, Paul. I just have to send you pick things out from and just use them the way you want to use it. So well done, Colin. Yeah, no, he, Thanks, yeah, he's an innovator. He's an innovator. Yeah, I think the glass case of fear is uh, is very important that you're, you're you're aware of it. I think one of the things that that he does touch on though early is he tries to get the parental support that when when Bobby is not willing to play football or not allowed to play football, that he he tries to talk to the parent. And as you can see by the end he's of the film... Allowed, he's not allowed to play foosball with them gargantuans. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's basically it. But by the end of the film, you can see when the parent is actually aware of, I suppose, the, the positivity for, for, the, for her own son and what he does for the, for the town. She's back in it. And it's very true that players with a strong parental support, great help. Now, it's not a be-all and end-all. But it is a great help for players, um, youth players especially, as they're progressing, and child, child players, that there is that support network at home that will, I suppose, support them when, when things are going well, and but also when, when things are going bad. And it was something that Shane Keegan actually had in an article, i seen it again two weeks ago, but I think it was 2017, about, uh, it was about a player who actually, why he brought it up two weeks ago was because the player got under 16 FAI Player of the Year. And he he noticed him at an under thirteen match three years ago, and he could what he was saying was you could tell whose parents or whose son and who the parents were from the sideline by the reactions during the match. But he said for this player he could never tell he couldn't find out who was his father, who was his mother. Are they actually here at all? And eventually he after asking around he found out who it was, and he overheard the father saying to the son after the game, "Did you enjoy that? Yeah, well done." And that was basically it. There was no drilling. What do we need to do to be a Premier League player or whatever? It was just very simple. Left it on the player. Didn't put any extra pressure on them. There was no be all and end all that we're going to make the Premiership or anything like that. 
So it was very important that we do have that strong parental relationship um, where possible. Yeah, we've all probably came across in our roles in with clubs on a professional level as in games promotion officers and TDAs and stuff, where you come across talented players, boys and girls, who probably don't have that support at home. And as a result, they drift away from the game, um, which is it's sad for the player who may wish to continue playing, but for different circumstances, not having that support, they're no longer able to. I think as well for um, the foreign national community in, in Ireland, getting them on board, getting the parents on board um, to kind of open their eyes to what Gaelic Games is and that it is an, an all-welcoming organisation yeah. is something that we're not doing well enough. Yeah. When they do come down, they are welcomed and like a lot of the foreign national kids really enjoy um, Gaelic Games in the school setting and would love to come down to the club. And I, I, I think... A real challenge for the GA is to connect with them parents a bit more, and if that's done, it lead to further growth numbers in the in the game. You know, what you have a lad in with TCU, don't you? Uh, he's involved with the is he involved with the Dublin senior ladies team or the men's team? Um, a far originally a Polish guy. Oh yeah, um, Christoph Jendrulik. Um, he's with he he's a Ballymun. Well, he's one man. He does logistics and and the kit for uh, Paddy Chris, and he's been involved with. He's he's with the Dublin Minor Footballers. Minor footballers has, has been for for a number of years. A really really great guy, and there's a there's a good article on, on RTE about him. If you just put in Christoph Jendrula Ballymon, we'll we'll we we'll put it in a tweet. I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to spell it, but you know what? Christoph is a, a great great fella, and. He was welcomed in by Paddy Christie, who was it was it was great at at getting people in from many different backgrounds, etc., and showing them what the GA can do for them. Christoph's great, simple, you know, and it's just a pity that there isn't further an, an engagement with the the foreign national community to try and get them involved. But sometimes clubs are so enclosed about people from their own community that like they might like it's. They don't even make people from different counties or different areas from a city very welcome in some clubs. Like we should be more open to everybody. Like really, mm. like just because their father played at the club down the road, you can't have him coming in. He's a ex team or whatever. I think we should try to get as inclusive as we can. Yeah, look, I, I think clubs are much more conscious of that, and uh, but maybe, maybe, maybe not from the playing side of things, but definitely within the community side, like with uh, the healthy clubs policies now and stuff like that, the clubs are much more inclusive for all, but it probably just hasn't transferred onto the on-pitch thing yet. The clubs are providing facilities for all, numerous numerous activities within the community, but as I said, probably just making it as accessible as possible. Um, it's probably, look, it's a barrier that needs to be broken down and needs to, I know the GA have an integration officer now. I can't think of the full title, but there's efforts going on from the top to put in place support structures for, for clubs to be able to integrate foreign nationals better within within the structures that are there currently. So yeah, so like it, it is it is important, like the, the parental support, and you can see it by the end of it, when the mother is there and she's actually, she's helping out, she's pouring coffee for the cheerleaders that are drunk on the sideline of every match um, to sober them up, you know, and stuff like that. So you can see how a parent being interested 
um, for their own child is brilliant, but also for the whole group that like it, it mightn't be a mother, it mightn't be a father, but they have skills that they could bring. And even if it's just making tea or cutting up oranges or bringing the my wadi or something like that, well, I know there's no one one batch, but there's so many different areas that parents can be involved with in the club. There's a role for everybody. Yeah, and the more the more people that are involved, the better. Okay. There's a funny there's a funny part in that that kind of tr- threw me back to the Gaelic games there when she's trying to get onto the the camera at the match just to be to be saying it's just like them post match on the pitch interviews in the GA. Yeah. Where, like a, a man of forty five or fifty is like taking steps right and left to be, try and be on the camera. And like I, I don't understand the mentality of a person who's looking to try and do that. And then the, then they're using their phone to phone, tell somebody phone someone that they're watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pushing his pushing a seven year old over the way with the elbow oh, to get in. It. It's yeah. very bad, and you see it an awful lot when they're in the betting rings and the horse racing or whatever it is. Oh, it's no, 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 it is funny, um, do you know the way that, that that part of it, yes, is very funny. But I suppose that people people want to be like they have an important part to play in it. Now, what I thought another thing as well with him was was he kept it. He actually for for Bobby when he was trying to explain to Bobby what you must do, they're going to uh, they're going to give the center is going to pass hot the ball, and he was like center hot, and he'd break it down, and he just had to think about like what he had to do to get Bobby to understand was think about mean people and use that as tackling fuel and he made it as simple as possible because things that he took for granted and I suppose the language we use as coaches as well a lot of time with kids is we take for granted they understand what what we mean when a lot of time they don't so actually being able to like a lot of times kids actually won't say I don't understand or I don't know what you mean so being able to use your language that that I suppose suits the level of the the participants is very important. I thought he, I thought he actually did that well, in that he was able to break it down for Bobby like that. Tackling fuel, I think, was the term he used. Yeah. So like it was harnessing your hate to be tackling fuel, and then visualizing a tackle. Like it was good. It was good. It's, he was also finding out what was needed for that individual player. Mm-hmm. Um, like again, we spoke about before about different types of motivation the players have, and as a coach you tap into that if you can. And for Bobby there, it was him being bullied all his life and that was the motivation for him to put in them big hits. But he also knew as well that Bobby played better when he was when he was angry. And uh, yeah, that's like I mean, the, yeah. the, the classic, the classic, well, uh, I, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, when when he, they were lined up, I can't remember the game, and all of a sudden Coach Klein's head was on each of the opposition players going, water sucks. It really, really mm. sucks. Water mm. sucks. You know, and it's just... He knew that to get to get a reaction out of Bobby, that's how he had to kind of push him. So for players, again, like I know we spoke about it with any given Sunday about knowing your players and being being aware of what their triggers are and being able to talk to them and actually being able to communicate with them on the field about stuff is important. But you need to know their personality for a lot of it. He uh, they, they they won, and I thought another important thing about their first win since '94. So I'd say it was obviously part. I think it was part of two game winning streak or losing streak, is they actually celebrated with it, and he celebrated with them. And it's important as well, like clubs, like you'd have some some managers who go, you know, it's county, we're either win the county or nothing. And there's small successes that have to be celebrated along the way. 
there was two clubs in Dublin, a big club and a small club, and the small club beat the big club. And there was obviously huge celebrations for the small club. There were neighbours, and it might have been the first time in a long time that they they beat beat that club. And they celebrated, and someone tried to ridicule them on Twitter, then saying that's no, like they won the All Ireland. But for them, that was their All Ireland. So it is important that we're we're conscious of the the good things as well that happen throughout the season, like aren't we? And at that party as well, uh, Coach Klein was there and he was sitting down having a crack with him and he was holding court and all the lads were hanging on his every word in the party. Yeah, and I suppose sometimes you do see it where, where sometimes the manager might be over social with the players, but like I don't think Coach Klein was, but as I said, I think it was important that he was there to celebrate with him. Now, the other thing was the age profile of the group here. I'd say if any one of those <laughs> yeah, fellas was yeah. under 30 years of age, <laughs> I'd be very surprised. For any yeah. co- every team they played. So I'd say they were all of legal drinking age over 21, um, whether whether actual or not in the film. But uh, it, it was important. I thought, do you know what I thought another thing with Coach Klein was that he's, when we had the flashback, remember when he explained to Bobby about where everything went wrong for him? So he was obviously a very good coach, um, assistant coach in, at, at earlier in his life with, along with Cotred and he had the green book and he had a great fashion sense back in the 60s or 70s or whenever it was he was very uh, fashion conscious and he had a, an afro and a whole lot she used the fawns his leather jacket uh, he didn't have a leather jacket there no but <laughs> lovely flowery shirt and a pair of flares like looking at that relationship with Red and this was last week we talked about conflict and dealing with conflict he was very much pure purely avoiding conflict at all costs and like he had a pure fear of red you know and I suppose that's not the sort of that running and hiding away from conflict isn't I suppose what you're you're looking for in your your leader for want of a better word you know he'd remind you that fame that pretty famous gif of uh, Homer Simpson just going back into the bushes yeah yeah Yeah, that's what he was like and he did it numerous times, like he did it at the match at the end and he did it in the dressing room. He hid behind the things. And like it was important that the same, the, the skills that he gave Bobby, Bobby actually repeated them back to him to visualise what what he needed. So for him, it was to visualise the soft puppy or the child that he wasn't afraid of. So the skills that he was able to give the player that, uh, that he wasn't actually able to use himself until the player repeated it back to him and he was able to understand it. But but once he got that, like there was a complete lack of leadership for the whole thing until until he got that confidence back and a bit of swagger, and all of a sudden he turned into the the the, the match winning coach with with some of the plays he called and stuff. It it was similar to the scene in the Mighty Ducks, the last scene in the Mighty Ducks, when the players were given the the instructions. Bombay gave to them back to him again. Clear, simple instructions that the players could understand and remember rather than waffling on. I thought that was a strong point from throughout the film when he was. It was just simple instructions that Bobby could follow. Now, Bobby's mental age might is a lot younger than his actually 31 in the film or whatever age he was. When you're coaching a child, we can't overburden them with too much information. Clear, simple instruction, that's all. I think we've seen it before. I think we've seen it in Coach Carter as well that it's just keep the information to a limit, basically. That there's no point in yeah. overdoing it. No, he was able to, obviously, there was a feel-good factor in that it was the community pulled together as well. I think that was I think that was one other important factor, and especially with GA clubs, that a lot of the time, if GA clubs are not, if the team, the scene, the 
the flagship team, let's say, are not, and a county team as well. If they're not going well, there can be, uh, like, uh, you know, there's just, I suppose there's a fear of, of people getting getting emotionally involved in a way. But it's very important that clubs are able to support the teams in the good and bad times. And you can see as they got a bit of morale going, that there was a huge crowd out supporting and stuff like that. And, like, is there anything clubs can do, like, when things aren't going well to ensure morale is kept up in some capacity? The, the club is about the club. And we'll say if the senior team isn't going particularly well on the field, maybe getting away from the f- full focus being on the field. And we've talked again before about the next generation coming up, of coming back and doing a bit of coaching with the younger teams. Because for the younger teams, a lot of the lads on the senior team of the club are their role models and their heroes. And getting back to that, and that pulls everything together. And then the adult team are up, an adult player is up in the park and on Saturday morning and he sees someone and he spends 10 minutes looking at a match and then he sees him at some stage the community over the next week going, he's calling me hold first well at the weekend, you know, and call him now in six foot five, you know. So that kind of stuff in, in, in building communities is is really important. A club, a club isn't all about winning, really, is it, at the end of the day? It's a club, it's a club, it's a community. You need a strong club long-term for the club to be actually successful on the pitch as well, to be honest with you. Like during lockdown there, Paul, you had ran a couple of initiatives there in your club, which were very successful and probably brought the club together again. Did you? You ran a, a bingo night, was it? Yeah, there was a bingo night and there's another event celebrating 50 years of just pulling pulling different people together. So that worked, you know, worked well and getting different cohorts of the club together in the, in the same setting, you know, which was good. And look, all clubs, all clubs are doing stuff like that, and it, it's successful. And you probably had plenty of people who don't actually coach teams who organise these things and played a very important role in the club. Yeah, definitely. Anything else to add on Coach Klein? No, he just had to get take the shackles off, lose his yeah. inhibitions, and just go with it. Get over that mm. glass case of fear. Glass case of fear, he definitely had that. Wasn't it really feeling? Vicky Valencourt was good, though. Vicky's a hard case. Wouldn't cross her. No. She'd win her own ball. She'd definitely win her own ball. Cornerback. Wherever the hell she wants to play mass. I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think I'd be the one telling her. <laughs> you wouldn't be having to talk with her then she's dropped. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you want to take the freeze as well? Yes, okay. <laughs> no, I will say about poor Coach Klein, like, he, he, was, he was essentially left in his own. He had no funds for offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, except for, I don't know, what was your man's name? What was your man's name? The... The farmer, the fellow doing oh, all the Yeah, Farmer Fran. Farmer Fran. You know, he actually had a great scene where Derek, the, the kicker, um, he was in special teams. Special teams, like, special teams, I suppose, now would be doing just their kicking and just building up their leg. Like, <laughs> special teams are going running laps. Like, it was actually, it was the complete opposite of what it's meant to be. And I'm not a, like, look, it probably was, Meant to be a joke, but I'm not sure at a hundred percent was a joke. Did you did you recognize what TV show that kicker is in? Famous TV show, I famous did. character. I did, yeah. The Wire, season the Wire. one, one, one stroke halfway through season two. Marlow wasn't he Marlow? No, no, he wasn't Marlow. Not Marlow. Oh, D'Angelo. 
did we notice any car any sorry any person who was in this film and the film we reviewed last week any given Sunday the, one of the greatest ever American football players was it Lawrence um, was LT it? Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor Taylor was it Lawrence Taylor yeah yeah I, I was I was thinking that alright and he was he played did he play Shark he played Shark yeah he was yeah. a New York Giants uh, defensive was he defensive line or where he was he was linebacker struck, yeah. Line, he was linebacker linebacker struck, you, line, yeah. There's a video on YouTube of him tackling a fella from Washington, which doesn't end well. For either of them or for the Washington fella? For the Washington quarterback. Okay. Yeah, send it on to Right. Um, out of five, what are you giving Mitch, Mr. Coach, Coach Klein? One and a half. Massey? I'm going to give him... He kept things simple... He visualized it. He went to the mother's house. Ah, one and a half as well. Just kept disappearing. One and a half. Yeah. I'm going to give him a two because I think he just redeemed himself at the end once. Like, uh, you know, we never know the situation that people have. Uh, and a lot of time as, as coaches, we're not aware of a person's own personal status, uh, be it mental or so- social or whatever it is. And when he was able to be himself, Truly himself, obviously a very capable coach. Yeah, I'm just going to stick to the two. I think that he didn't do much more than that for the whole thing. So, Have you any good water boys in your own club that you've come across in your time? Or any do you know, do you know what? I'd say, I'd say every club has a legend of a water boy. And like there was one fella now in our own club and God rest him now, he passed away, he passed away a few years ago. But back when, when Killer would have been would have been going from junior and we would have won the county in 95 and again in 2001 every single match he did water for he was the main water fella no he wasn't the fella sprinting on and off the pitch Yeah, he was the fella that had the water bottles he would have had the water filled up before before there was water bottles he would have been the fella bringing the two litre bottle of milk carton empty carton of milk filled up with water you know just consistent and he used to do the hurlies as well and he'd have to kind of post bags for the hurlies um Neighbor Foley was his name, just just a legend. Um, just a legend in, in the club and would have played obviously with probably fifty years, forty years previous, you know. So we had a young uh, a lad when I was over in Cardiff, a fellow by the name of Richie Murphy. Um he came over working in a hotel over there and he came down, hadn't played football in a year, so he was actually doing the water and stuff with us. And we went down for a game one day and we were short players and he togged in, togged out, similar to uh, Bobby and did well, very surprising, and he got a few games. The rest He's of the year. a real life, real life water boy. Real li- Richie Murphy, the real life water boy. Is he a fan of the show? Not yet, now, but he was very similar, very similar to Bobby. To be honest with you, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Mossy, did you ever come across Paddy O'Gara in in Crave Caron? Unbelievable man. Yeah, he used to be um, still water boy. Yeah, brilliant. Only about that's probably five years ago now, but. It, it used to take him so long to get on and then so long to get off and he always had the suit on when he was doing it. Yeah, he was a great actual, guy. Uh, a suit like? Yeah, suit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Suit and three-piece three piece or two-piece? Two piece. Jeez, I think it was a... Tri- mm, I don't he's, know. He's a rough common man. And then there's another... There's two water boys over in Fogs, two twins, who, who seem to be involved with a lot of teams who are, who are good old crack, you know? Yeah, right, quick. And the wonder, uh, the wonder, remember the wonder? The wonder, the wonder, we were trying to get the wonder water by for the top and senior hurdles for a while. Um, 
and wonder was what about fogs for a while. Um, so yeah, no, do you know what? It's it's a it's a role that you don't need to be brilliant at hurling or football or coaching or playing, but it's it's somewhere where you can just have a really good character around the team and a good personality. You do need to be a strong aquatic engineer, though. That that was the term used at by Coach Red. Yeah, my aquatic engineer means no difference between high quality and low quality H two O. So. So look at the bad water some of the Kerry players got in Crow Park last year made them sick. Is that proven? Or is it slander? No, I didn't I didn't mention Lenton. I just said that they had they drank bad water since they were against them. Allegedly. Right, Matthew. Yeah. Last quiz of the season. Last quiz of the season. Well, second last. There's one coming next week. It's three one to Paul. Massey, you need a W to, to stay in the stay in the race. Uh question number one. What year? Had the Mud Dogs not won a game since? Paul. Paul. 1994. Correct, 1-0 to Paul. <laughs> Question number two. What did Coach Klein tell Bobby they were going to replace water with? Massey. Gatorade. Massey. Correct, Massey. One all. Who? Question number three. Who made up the false transcripts that stated Bobby attended high school? Massey. Massey. Coach Klein. Correct. Two went to Massey. What colour was the playbook that read? Massey. Green. No. Paul, Paul, I was way, I was way Paul, ahead of him there. Reverse Paul, that back. I was way ahead of him. We can listen back, Paul. Listen back, Green. listen back to that. I'll have to listen back there later on. Paul. Green. Green, correct. I said green first there. Listen yeah, that but back. you shouldn't have said it in. because I didn't call your name. I knew oh. you were going to give it to him anyways because I was winning 2-1. You wanted 2-2. Two, two. I but didn't. I don't. Back. I didn't want 2-2. Two, two. Okay, last question. Question five. What was the final score of the Mud Dogs versus Cougars? In Mossy. Mossy. 27-34. Paul, I'm passing over to you. 20, 20, can Could I go you repeat again? That? Could you repeat that, Paul? 27-28. Massey, I'm going to pass it back over to you. No. Excuse 20, me. 27-32. Incorrect. And we're moving on to the next question. It was 30-27. And Vicky oh, actually said it a number of times. It. Yeah. Question number... We're into six, the six, six, tiebreaker. Six. Tiebreaker yeah. question. Well, actually, when you go back to play it, I realise I won't. It didn't. So. You definitely didn't, Massey. Good man. Good man, Massey. Why was Bobby fired? By coach rate. Mossy. Reason. Mossy. He tripped over and he was just an inconvenience. I have to pass it over. It's not what oh, I'm not the answer. Not he, the answer I'm fully he had for. his water uh, dispensing station set up too close to the pitch and it caused um it caused one of the players to run straight through it and he interfered with In, incorrect, incorrect. What? No, it's not the answer. That is not the answer. He was what he said was he disrupted the team. So, question tiebreaker. No, 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 no. That didn't happen. He ran into the team. That was a different team. Question number seven. So we're still in tiebreaker. What did Vicky offer to do while he was sitting his test? Paul. Paul. He to slit the invigilator's throat. Invigilator who was in the room. Paul, I'm gonna your first answer. I'm gonna take and I'm gonna oh, pass it over to Massey. Me. There was no mention of slitting throats. <laughs> she <laughs> offered. She offered to kill the supervisor. Correct, Massey. Massey gets the win. Three two. 
one round to go coming next week. No, 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 no. Do you and, want me to kill them? Is what she said on the sign. And she gestured her fingers at her throat. Paul, you only watched the film yesterday. Uh, go back and watch it again. It doesn't matter, Ennis, because when Cullen replayed it, your life I won it. No, 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 Matthew, no, Matthew, it's slanderous accusation you're giving against okay. myself and Paul there now. So I want you to withdraw it you know and retract it. I, I, I really am unhappy with the end of that quiz. I want one more question. Why? Answer the question for him. I'll give you a he question. A question for you, so, okay. I'll ask, I'll ask you a question. You want a question? Yeah. Oh, hang on! You're getting okay. me now. Right, last like, question, so last question, so. No, I won't. So, okay, oh, yeah, I'm giving you, I'm giving you a win, Massey, just to appease the man, right? Okay. What were the three types of water he had in the first scene, Massey? I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll give you one point for each one you get correct. No, I'm not in this. I won. So. Uh, all right, you know, look, look, when we're dealing with when we're dealing with children. And you're trying to deal with conflict, and the other person is unwilling to come a certain amount of the way. It's just difficult. The answer is rainwater, spring water, and distilled water. So there you go. So that's it for season one. Thanks very much, Paul and Massey, for your your inputs and your valued contributions. Uh, next week we have a bonus cool runnings episode that we did actually just in advance of of getting to chat to Shan Wayne and Nimroy. So we'll have that coming next week. And we are back with season two in two weeks' time on Tuesday morning, as always. So thanks, Paul. No problem. Thanks, Massey. Thanks, Cullum. I got a few uh, DMs this week um, abusing me. Really? Yeah. From um, about Paul and myself chubs. or from other people? No, no, from listeners about Chubbs and not giving the film Happy Gilmore a bit more credit. So, okay, a lot better than the water boy, must say that. So, yeah, apologize. I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you've had to deal with that kind of uh, feedback and, and lash, lashing out at you, Massey. Look, Massey, yeah. you need to be willing to stand up and, and take responsibility for your statements. You don't just, you don't just um, flip flap around when someone gives you a bit of negative feedback, you know. You keep going. It wasn't like, feedback; it was just abuse. But sure, that's it. Okay. Whoa, that's a big, big statement. Big statement. Look, Massey, if it's that, that bad, I think you should go to the police with it. The guard is your corner. No, I'm okay. But... Okay, okay. But look, that's it, lads. Thanks very much. Great season. Um, yeah. and we'll be back for season two in two weeks' time, and cool runs next week. Thanks very much, everybody. Thanks for joining us today and this season. Please leave a review on your favourite platform. And if you enjoyed it, tell a friend. You may also want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Roy Orbison Tattoo. And we appreciate any likes, retweets and comments. Next week, we will be watching Cool Runnings again. And we will have the show available first thing Tuesday morning as always. This Cool Runnings episode was just recorded with myself, Paul and Massey before we got the opportunity to speak to Shan Wayne and Nimroy. So we hope you enjoy it. (laughs) 